0: Well, get your Bibles out and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to have fun tonight. You know, Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth would make you mad. No. Oh, set you free. Oh, okay. Man, sometimes I'm reading from the reverse translation. What's that? Pastor makes you mad, but that's all right. If I make you mad, that's perfectly fine. Let me tell you something, I made my kids mad, I made Lisa mad, I made the dog mad, I made all kinds of folks mad, amen, I made the devil mad, you know, the other day there was a, I went to the, the, the political hobnob, um, you know, I can't stop being a Christian because I'm hanging around heathen. And this lady, right out of the blue, I have no idea who she was. She's running for some, um, I think I think a judge. And she looked at me and she said, here comes trouble. And she don't, know, she don't know me, she don't even know who I am. I said, sweetheart, that's exactly what Satan told me when I woke up. <laughs> and she looked at me and went, Oh my gosh. And turned around and walked off. And I said, if you can't dish it, don't, you know, don't lay it out to me, baby. You start jumping on me, I'll jump right back on you. And so this poor little old judge was like, I don't know who this guy is. Amen. That's what the devil said when I woke up this morning. Here comes trouble. You better believe it, baby. All right. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Uh, We're talking about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And he says, to another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, we're not going to read all of it because right now we're trying to take the gifts apart and teach you individually what each one of them is. So we're going to talk about discernment Discerning of spirits. When I say this, let me make a statement to you because if you've been around charismaniacs very long and we're charismatics, but we're not charismaniacs, you'll hear people say, I have the gift of discernment. There is no such a thing as a gift of discernment. The gift of discernment is old fashioned, the gift of suspicion. (laughs) Nobody ever said there was a gift of discernment. The word discernment means to be able to see into the spirit realm. That means that when this spirit, when this gift is in operation, you'll see angels, you'll see devils, you may see Jesus. There's a lot of things in the spirit realm. The spirit realm's all around you, but your eyes don't see into it, even though it's there. And so at times, God will open your eyes like he did people in the Bible— And you can see into it. And I'm going to explain to you when, why, how, and what for. But before we get started, let me make a statement to you. Don't ever pray to see Jesus or an angel. You don't need to. If God wanted you to see an angel, you'll see an angel. If he needs you to see a devil, you'll see a devil, okay? You start praying for it and Satan will oblige you. And you'll start having all kind of goofy things happen to you. You don't open up the door to the devil if God wants to show you something, and I'm going to make a statement to you right now. This is one of those gifts that if, he ha- if it happens, and it will happen, it, it, it'll always be something you're going to mess up so royally that he is going to do something out of the ordinary to keep you straight. Or rough waters are ahead and he's got to do something supernatural because you're going to get all off base if you don't actually see something. Do you understand that? Because God requires you to walk by faith and not by sight. The way the Holy Ghost deals with you is always through promptings. Now, a lot of times we make this statement, the Lord said, well, that's not always true. What we should say is, I was prompted. We get nudges in the spirit. We say the Lord said because we know the Lord nudged us. Now him, now there is nudges, and then there's him speaking to you, and then there's literally the audible voice. I've actually heard the audible voice a couple of times where it thundered. I mean, I heard him say it. Uh, ra- rarely does he do that. Most of the time, it's just nudges. Now, before we get into this, I want to talk a little bit more. About you walking in the Spirit a little bit. So, uh, I wanna say this. Did you, and I want you to realize something. You are a supernatural people. You have a supernatural God. You have a supernatural new birth. You have a supernatural Holy Ghost and supernatural gifts. That means that everything about your life should not be normal. Supernatural things should be normal to you. Um, but what happens to us is that we start. We start thinking that that is normal. I asked the Lord one time because I I was kind of desperate for a miracle. Have you all ever been desperate? I just want to see a miracle, God. I just want to see a miracle, you know. And I was having a hard time walking by faith, and I just needed to hear God, you know. I was just being a big baby. And he looked. He said to me, why don't you speak in tongues? He said, it's impossible. He said, that's how close I am. You know, you, we walk so much in, in the spirit that sometimes it just becomes like normal. When people hear us talk, you walk outside of a spirit-filled church, they think you're weird. But that what, what is odd to them is normal to us. We talk about, well, the Lord showed us this and and I had a prompting in my spirit and, 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 and people have actually said that we need to stop talking that way because sinners don't understand us. Not so. We are a fraternity and we have a language of our own and we are church. Church should not always be catering to the lost coming in. There's times we need to have services for us. And if the world doesn't get it, then just tell them, you know, just hang tight. You know, we have a church service where you will understand it, but like Wednesday nights are really geared toward people growing in God. So we're going to go we're going to go deep and wide on Wednesday nights and 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 sometimes people walk in and go, "Oh, this is this is crazy." Well, it might be to you, but not to people that have been saved 5, 10, 15 years or not. Okay, so we're, going to, so we're talking about that, and I want to read something to you from Mark Hankins, and it was very, very powerful. Lisa sent it to me on the internet, and it's a couple of pages long, so just bear with me. He's talking about 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and, and it goes along with what I just said. The average Christian in America does not know that he is a spirit, has a soul, and lives in a body. When Andrew Womack made a statement, he said, when I learned that, that was the revelation that turned my whole life around because they see themselves as a body and they see themselves as a soul, but they don't know how to differentiate between the fact that your spirit man is a brand new creation, but your soul is not. So, so they feel schizophrenic. And you will too. If you don't know that you are a new creation, you are the righteousness of God, and you are perfect in your spirit. But you are not in your soul. And your soul is what is developing now. So there is a development part of you, and there's a part of you that God's already done with. Now, now, had he not finished the work in you, you wouldn't be called saved. Now, when you say, I'm saved, you're referring to your spirit man. But you're not referring to your mind because your mind is not saved. So that may sound odd to people. So this also creates why we have to talk about holiness, why we have to teach on it. So let me read this to you. He said, I'll never forget Mr. Cates, my high school biology teacher, taught us about uh, the study of living things. He said, everything is in two kingdoms, the plant or the animal. He emphasized the fact that humans are part of the animal kingdom. In fact, one day he had everyone raise their hands to affirm they belong to the animal kingdom. Everyone raised their hands except me. He looked at me very strong and says, now, Mr. Hankins, what are you? You say you're not a plant or an animal, what are you? To add to his frustration, I said, neither. I'm a spirit being, I was made in the image of God. And he shot back. I'm not talking about religion. And I confidently said, me neither. <laughs> and the discussion was over. In First Thessalonians five twenty three, Paul said, "You're a three part nature." He is a, he said, "We're a spirit, have a soul, live in a body." This is like a transparency that can be laid over everything. Paul teaches your spirit or your pneuma is the real you. Your soul, your suke, is your mind, your will, and your motions, and you operate through your brain. Now we know what the body is. The Greek word for body is soma. It's designed to carry and express your spirit, the real you. The Bible calls your it calls it your flesh. Which is like a three-year-old always wanting what it wants when it wants it. And your body and mind and emotions will gang up on your spirit and bully the real you. Now, that's, a, that's an amazing thing I just said. Now listen to me. The average Christian is, is either doesn't know that the temptations you're going through or the impulses that you're having from your body does not make you a sinner. Now, when I first got saved, I I thought, God, I can't be saved. I'm still having, you know, uh, bad thoughts and all that. He said, oh, no. He says, just control yourself. And so I had to learn that I am a spirit, and I had to identify with the fact that I'm a new creation. And that doesn't change. Now, I've got to do something with my thinking, and i got to do something with my flesh, who is a big brat, and yours is too. And once you know that, then you understand why on Sunday morning I'm talking about walking in love and put on the new man. We all need to hear love is patient because there's times we're just not. And then we need to learn about kindness because there's times we're just not. And we need to study love. We got to put on love because a step out of uh, out of love is a step out of God. And if and and if you think that you don't reap what you sow, keep screwing up and come back in a year or two and tell me how it all went. Because you do reap what you sow. Well, I want to get off the subject now. I want to share something with you. Let's, we'll just, just get on this for a minute. Policemen are good guys. But if they didn't have policemen, I want to tell you something. You wouldn't want me driving. You don't want to drive down this road. I've been to, I've been to Mexico. I've been to India. I've been where they don't have police. So why do you and I really keep the speed limit? So we don't get a ticket so let's let me say something to you if there is no such thing as judgment from god there is never a ramification for wrongdoing then live like hell but it's not true all judgment is mercy god will stop you and go i'm gonna have to deal with this mess in your life because you're screwing your life up so bad and and that's god will give you a ticket or it says in the, in the New Testament, he'll spank you. He will, Oh, he'll spank you. If you don't know he'll spank you, then you just got saved last week. Has he ever dealt with you? Oh, he's dealt with me real strong. He has laid out before me, I don't like what you just did. And told me I better stop now or else. And I, or else, I said, thank you. I will not do that again. Okay we'll get into that one Sunday morning when we talk about judgment. Judgment is not condemnation. God's not going to kill you because you missed it. Okay, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. But see, the body of Christ, has, they don't have any idea the difference between judgment and condemnation. Don't judge me. Don't you judge me. Well, that's the, the, literally the word there is condemn not that you be not condemned. You better judge some people. Oh. Why does the Bible say you, if you can't judge in the smallest matters? Do When you go to a steakhouse, do you not go, this was terrible. You just passed judgment. Now, I didn't say burn the face down. I just said you passed judgment. I'm never coming back here again. It's the worst steak I ever ate in my life. Well, oh, that's fine. If your kids are wrong and they're Screaming at each other in the house. Pass a little judgment. Take them in the bedroom and say, I think I'm about to be judge and jury here, baby doll. So, so you understand, don't, don't take that word and turn it into wrath. Judgment isn't wrath. Judgment is mercy. And God is not looking to spank you. But he will. Okay. That's why some people believe that God, everything happens to you bad, God did it. And, and it's not true okay all right God strengthens and guides you through your spirit for as many as are led by the spirit they're the sons of God there is a spirit man and the inspiration of Almighty gives him understanding Job 23 8, 8. how can we access the Holy Spirit and everything in the spirit dimension through our spirit God is called the Father of Spirits, and you're a spirit. Jesus taught how to worship. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God calls the spirit man the inner man. From Paul's letter, we learn to walk, worship, pray, rejoice, and be strong in the spirit. Now listen to me. You know, we talk about the fruit of the spirit. That's not the fruit of the Holy Ghost. That's the fruit of your spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That's the fruit of your recreated spirit. Now, if you walk in the Spirit, then you will obey God. But if you walk in the flesh, you will not. That is a battle you're in right now. And you'll be in it tomorrow, and you'll be in it next week. Are you all out there? You can't run around. That doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that you are always going to be dealing with your flesh because you're a spirit. But if you let your flesh rule you, then you're going to desensitize yourself from hearing God. Yeah. Yeah. Then you'll become carnal. And then you'll make statements like, I don't understand a thing he said. I just don't make sense to me. I'm just a realist. No, you're just a carnal Christian. Okay? And you, you've just never developed Your spirit, man. You understand that? All right, all right. Now, now, when you hear people say this, don't sit back and think, "Well, they're deep." No, they're not deep. They're shallow as a mud puddle. Just because you can't see the bottom, don't mean it ain't muddy. All right. (laughs) So, where is man's spirit? Proverbs 2027. 20, this gives us location of the Spirit. The Spirit of Man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Jesus used the same words in John 7.38. Out of your belly flows rivers of living water. The clearest picture of your spirit is found in Romans 8, where the word says, the spirit is used 21 times. Example, Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ who walk not not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Talking about your spirit, man, not the Holy Ghost. Philip's translation of Romans 8, 2 reveals the lifting power for the new spiritual principle of life in Christ lifts me out of the old cycle of sin and death. In other words, the real you, your spirit, has been liberated and set free. Now your flesh, your thoughts, and your emotions, and even the devil cannot dominate you or bully you. The only way a Christian can be defeated is if they are spiritually depleted. Now, we'll stop here. The let me say it again. The only way that a Christian can be de- defeated is if they are spiritually depleted. That means that your spirit man is no longer strong and your flesh is ruling you and Satan cannot cannot get it, he he can't make you do anything. But if he can somehow or another get you to stop paying attention to the spirit man and yield to the flesh, you'll defeat yourself. Do you see that? We say, well, the devil did. The devil's not doing anything except talking to you and getting you to do things that you shouldn't do. Are you all out there? The only way a Christian can be defeated is if they're spiritually depleted. Now let's stop for a minute, and I'm not picking on denominational Christians, and I'm not picking on carnal Christians. But the reason we have dead denominations with Christians in it is because they have never learned how to walk in the Spirit. That's all. That's, it, it, the, we don't have Baptists and Methodists and Episcopalians and Catholics. And, that, that's, that's all a bunch of man-made signs. What you have is people who are walking in the Spirit and people who are not walking in the Spirit and then people who are not born again. And, and we, we want to we pick on denominations as though that's our belief system, but why is that your belief system? Because I don't want to put my flesh under. I want to stay a crybaby. That's the truth. Are y'all out there You go home? That, that's the truth. I know what I'm doing is wrong, but shut up. I'm saved. I'd want to be a baby all my life. And that's hard for people to hear, but it is true. And when people get tired of it, they leave those churches and go in a place and find a church where people are walking with God. Birds of a feather actually do flock together. Yes, amen. And that's, that's why we flock. And that's why other people don't flock with us anymore. They don't even fly with us anymore. And, and you can literally go down and just start that person over there and then carry a thing in the world about walking with God. And that's the truth. Now, that's hard to hear. Okay. Are y'all okay? All right. This takes place when a believer is controlled by physical impulses of their mind, their will, and their emotions. Some Christians are struggling to act right, talk right, but they fail because they're relying on their own effort instead of the help of the Holy Ghost. All right, we're going to get into this in a minute. It's going to be really good. Being controlled by the physical senses keeps a person in the natural realm where the devil can dominate and manipulate them. The devil is the God of the world, 2 Corinthians 4. 4 and you don't have to be evil. This does. Now, listen to me. That doesn't mean those people are evil. They're not. The, the, the world is evil. But, but carnal Christians are not evil. They're natural. They're also defeated. Do you all see that? Do you see that? Okay. All right. So if you're being defeated today, you go, I think I just learned the answer to this mess. All right. The natural man in 1 Corinthians uh, 2.14, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. Neither can anyone know them because they're spiritually discerned. Kenneth Hagin said, any person who shuts his spirit away... And refuses to develop it will become crippled in life and a victim of scheming people. That's Christian. We're talking to Christians. Now, you have to make up your mind. That's not me. I'm not going to, you ain't. You ain't messing with me. I like how James Salker explains it in his book. Uh, the life of St. Paul. Now, I'm going to read this. This is written by James Salker, and he probably lived early 1900s. The nature of man, according to Paul, normally consists of three sections, body, soul, and spirit. Now, now, um, um, what's his name? said? To, Mark said, to emphasize proper order, I refer to it as spirit, soul, and body. In his original uh, constitution, these occupy definite relations of superiority and subordination to one another. That means the spirit or the flesh or the flesh of the spirit. One is going to rule, one is not. The spirit being supreme and your body the least important. The soul is occupying the middle position. The fall disarranged this order. God put it in that order, spirit, soul, and body. All sin consists in the usurpation of the body or the soul in the place of the spirit. When your soul rules you instead of your spirit, you're going to be carnally minded. Do you understand that? That's the reason why you'll get online and go, I don't understand all them people down there, name, claim, flap, and grab it, and all about that that prosperity cult. That's a carnal. They're relying on their mind. Your brain is not big enough to figure out God. And your brain can't rule your flesh. The only thing strong enough to rule your flesh is your spirit, man, with the aid of the Holy Ghost. Now, we're going to get into this in a minute. But the Holy Ghost was sent to help us because we need help. Now, you think, what in the world does this have to do with the gifts of the Spirit? What do you think the gifts are for? To help us with the fight. You're in a war with your flesh. And so the gifts of the Spirit were not given to you so you could walk around and go, I want to see an angel. That's not the point. The the, the gifts of the Spirit were given to you because you have a fight. Your flesh wants to dominate you. Your spirit needs to be ruling. And God goes, I'm going to give you nine gifts to help you in life. Because you're going to need some help if you're going to walk in victory. Do you all see that? That's so simple. So you say, which gift is the most important? I don't know. Which one do you need right now? So let's think of a policeman. Which is more important, the car or the gun? Well, maybe the car when he's got a guy driving down the road 90 miles an hour. But if he's in the store and there's a stick up, the gun is. Do you understand? You understand? You you, you can't run around going, I have the gift of Glock 19. No, you might need the gift of car. (laughs) All of those things were given to you to help you live the Christian life. So we're going to get into discerning the spirits in a minute, and I'm going to show you there have been times I've seen into the spirit realm, but it was because Satan was beating my brains out. And I'm praying, oh, God, help me with this. I don't know what I'm doing. And the Holy Ghost took me into a place, and he's there to help me. He's in my spirit. He's not in my mind. He's not in my soul, and he's not in my body. He's in my spirit. Y'all are getting this, aren't you? This is absolutely, don't you, I wish I knew this 40 years ago when I first got saved, but nobody ever told me this. But I'm telling you this, so I'll be your favorite preacher in all the world. <laughs> the fall disarranged that order. And all sin consists in the usurpation of the body over the soul. And fallen man, these two inferior sections of human nature, together form what call Paul calls the flesh, or the side of the human nature that looks toward the world and time. They have taken possession of the throne and they completely, completely rule the life while your spirit side of man looks toward God and eternity has been dethroned and reduced to a condition of inefficiency and death. Now, that's a Christian who's walking after the flesh and not after the spirit. That's why they're sick that's why they're broke. That's why they're depressed. That's why, listen, they need to get closer to God, not go to Disney. Stupid, 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 stupid. It, look, what do you think your flesh wants? Another piece of pie, sleep a little longer and take me to Disney and spend a little more money. Well, you're already in debt. Your flesh is not your friend. It's a crybaby. And just because you've been saved for 50 years doesn't mean it's not a crybaby. Christ restores the lost predominance of your spirit by taking possession of your spirit by the Holy Spirit. His spirit dwells in the human spirit, veifying and sustaining it in such growing strength that it becomes more and more the sovereign part of man's constitution. The man then ceases to be carnal and he becomes spiritual and he's led by the spirit of God and he becomes more and more harmonious with all that is holy and divine. The flesh does not indeed easily submit to the loss of supremacy. It clogs and obstructs the spirit and fights constantly to regain its position and its throne. All right, you've had trouble at times coming to church. But once you decided, the Bible said it, I'm going to walk by faith. Don't, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. And you made it a priority to go to church. You are now walking in the spirit and you're telling your flesh, shut up. I'm going to obey God. Now, the second thing that happens, and, and this happens with everybody, whenever you start learning about prayer, you, you, you'll get in a fight with your flesh and your mind after you've prayed five minutes. I'm hungry. Have you had anything to eat today? What's on Facebook right now? How long are we going to be in here anyway? What are you saying? I don't understand what you're saying anyway. This sounds like baby gibber to me. I wonder if this is Japanese or Hebrew. That's your flesh. And you've got to go, shut up. I'm praying 30 minutes. I don't know why we need to pray for 30 minutes. Because the Bible says we build ourselves up. And your flesh goes, I don't feel nothing. Let me come on. I'm not the only one in this room that's ever had a fight with my flesh. I don't even make sense to me. I'm going to tell y'all, even though you're not Catholics, I'm going to confess all of my sins to you. (laughs) The reason that I have a very dynamic prayer life is I've been to hell and back. And I've had days. There was nothing to do but pray because hell was vomiting on me. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And after 30 or 40 days of it, it became a habit. Now I'm afraid to leave the house without praying. Y'all, y'all understand. In other words, I didn't wake up one morning to go, super spiritual man. And you didn't either. This is, this is good, but it's still the truth. I didn't wake up one day and go, I just love my Bible. I eat it because I, you know, my mind, I need, my mind will, will go in a different, I can go negative that fast. And I got to pick up the Lord as my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Greater is he that's on the inside of me. I got to hear some good news because right now my brain and that television set and everything else is screaming at me, you're a loser and this ain't working. So the word of God, I have learned to feed on the word of God out of necessity. But over the years, it's become habitual. I've become, it, I'm addicted to it because I have, because I built a habit. Yes. And if you haven't built a habit, don't get in condemnation. But you listen to me, you better. Yes. Oh, your flesh will rule you. And if your flesh rules you, your future is hell on earth. I, I, don't, I don't care if you're born again. You're going to walk in the Spirit if you want to walk in joy and peace. And if you're not enjoying peace, you're not walking in the Spirit because you've just been playing games. You just come to church and put a dollar in and go home and you're just carnal's a rock. <laughs> you know, there's people walking this church out of desperation. Help me! And I'm glad to see you because we can help you. But we can't do it for you. Are you all okay? All right, I'm glad that I'm helping us. Okay, Paul described this struggle in sentences of stark vividness of which all generations of Christians have recognized the features of their deepest experience. We are not without help. So it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our infirmities. That word is very deceiving. It is the Greek word weakness. You are weak because you live in a body with a carnal mind. You have weaknesses. Don't run around and pretend like you do not. And don't run around be embarrassed that we know your weaknesses. You know, people walk in there and go, we know your weaknesses. whoop do! doo I really don't care. Are y'all out there Did you go home? I mean, I'm not even bothered a little bit by the fact that I am not the perfect person. I never told you that I was preaching the book of Daryl. There's no first and second Daryl anywhere in the Bible. I'll be the first to admit, I need help. And Lisa will be the second. He needs help. (laughs) So listen to this scripture, Paul's writing. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for you don't even know how you need to pray as you ought to. The Spirit himself, it says itself, but the Holy Ghost is not an it. Makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. And it says in the Greek, your articulate speech. Let me make a statement to you right here. I'm going to say something to you. When you're depressed, very often it's not you being depressed. It's circumstances. And sometimes the prayer life is not a happy prayer life. Sometimes you're going to get strong because you're dealing with stuff that you don't know about. So don't be Now, that's why I get you in here on a Sunday night, and I make you stop praying devotional prayers. There's a time for, now I lay me down to sleep. It's perfectly fine at time to pray like this. That's fine. But honey, not all the time. There are times when you need to open your mouth. It says in the book of Acts, they lifted their voice. It said, Paul and Silas, the prisoners heard them. That means we want to hear you pray. There's times you need to open your mouth and it comes out like, you need to pray it out. And you need to have partners sometimes to hook with you and pray things out. If you do not, your flesh will rule you. Yes. That was get, the holy ghost was put in you to assist you and the more you pray in the spirit you are building yourself up on your most holy faith it is charging your battery Amen. it is building you up and your spirit man needs to talk not your head Amen. pray in english a little bit but let just after a while shut your head down Amen. and let your heart talk Amen. okay Now, now that's controversial with people. I don't care who wrote that those things were done away with. Carnal Christians. How stupid. Paul spoke in tongues. Peter spoke in tongues. James spoke in tongues. Everybody spoke in tongues. That's why it's not debated. And Paul said, in, in, in the book of Acts, Luke said, this is for you and your generations as many as, why in the world would he, would the early church need help and you don't? Because you have a doctor? How stupid. The last time I went to the hospital, $130,000. I think I'll take tongues. I mean, i know. I mean, just, it's just a little brain. Just, just get a brain. I think it's cheaper to pray in the Spirit. Amen. (laughs) Unless you have a doctor that prays in the Spirit. Are you all okay? Okay. All right. The Greek word help means take hold together with you against the infirmity. The Holy Ghost cannot take hold together with you against it if you don't let him say anything. Rick Renner gives light on the full meaning of the word infirmity in the Greek. He says, it describes a crippling disease, a mental oppression, a reoccurring plague, which is terminal and incurable. The Spirit will make intercession for you with groanings which you can't utter, the example of which is fallen, you fell in a pit and you can't help yourself. This is when the Spirit makes intercession and gets, you, gets in the pit with you and shares your feelings. Aren't you glad that he doesn't leave you when everything's going bad? That's right. Now, the devil will tell you he left you, but he is not leaving you because everything is going bad. He came in you because everything goes bad. Yes. And listen to me, without him, You're not going to make it. It scares me to even think of living on this planet without being full of the Holy Ghost. I would not even fathom that. That would just be a terrifying thought. Okay. The Holy Spirit is not afraid of your mess. (laughs) the same way that a first responder enters a scene when help is immediately needed. The Holy Spirit comes when you need him and he gets in the pit with you in your weakness, sin, struggle, and he will take you to victory. There was a barn on my property, and one day a pest control company came out and said I had termites. I told them to exterminate them. I wasn't falling to pieces because I personally don't have termites. My barn did. In the same way, when you deal with sin, bad habits, attitudes, and thoughts, you don't have termites. Your body does. That's a powerful thought. Yeah. Man, I've, been ter- I've just been having a bad week. No, your body has. Yeah. Well, why don't you have a good one? Yeah. Amen. See, get some victory inside and let it manifest outside. Are you all okay? Yes. All right. Um, uh, through the help of the Holy Spirit, God helps to silence every evil voice and depression or struggle that you are dealing with. You can mortify and deaden the impulses of your body through the Holy Spirit, etc., etc. All right. Now, that's Mark Hankins, and I'll sell you that for $100,000. All right. No, actually, we'll send it to you. All right, now go, go with me to John 14. You don't mind me reading to you every once in a while. I feel like mommy reading to children, the bedtime story. John 14:12. Look at this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, will he do also. And greater works can we do, because I'm going to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. That the Father is glorifying the Son. If you ask anything according to my will, I'll do it. How are you going to do all this stuff? If you love me, keep my commandments, and I'm going to ask the Father, he'll send you another helper, abide with you forever. How are you planning on doing what God told you to do if you don't have help? All right, now let's talk about it. Why is it we're not seeing more miracles and more healings and more deliverance? Because people are not walking in the Spirit. That's the only reason. We're not, you know, when you pray this, oh, God, come down. He, he already came down. He's in you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you something really deep. Why do you bow your head and pray? Because that's where he is. When you're in a room hollering, oh, God, come down, he's going, I'm in you. Okay. But when you learn that the helper's in there, The helper, he's in you to help you. Now, you've got to develop your spirit man by walking in the spirit and praying in the spirit in order for the spirit man to control. And the gifts of the spirit are not given to you to make everyone in the church think you're deep. Did you see sister so-and-so? She had a word She's deep. I had the gifts of the Spirit operating one week after I got saved and I was still cussing. So I know I wasn't deep. It don't make you deep and it don't make you spiritual. He he gave me the gifts of the Spirit because he wanted to help me. He gave me nine gifts to help me with life. And ministry, so that when I don't know what I'm doing, he will come along and he has different gifts to operate at different times as you need them. Hello. Now, I don't want to get into this because we've already discussed it, but it's really cool to be at home praying in the Spirit and then interpret your own tongues. And all of a sudden you go, I wondered about that. I didn't know that. That's cool. Where do you think the wisdom is? It's in you. It's not in your head, it's in your spirit, but as you're praying, then the Holy Ghost gives you interpretation, and now you're praying out what you were praying about. And then you go, "Wow, well, that's what that scripture means." How pray with the spirit? I pray with the understanding. I know what to do now. That's cool. That's what it's for. But it doesn't happen if you don't pray. All right. Now, now the same thing's true with the word of knowledge, word of wisdom. And we went over the times we've all had words of knowledge, promptings of the Spirit. We've had, the, we've had miracles happen. We've had all kinds of stuff. So right now, we're going to get into discerning of spirits. So go to Revelation chapter 1. Cerning of spirits is when you see into the spirit realm. I'm going to tell you a few stories because I like to tell stories. And if I don't tell them to you, Melanie will. Because Melanie told me one time, she's been around this church so long, she knows all of my stories and can tell them. So when I die, I want you to come up and have Melanie tell you the stories every Sunday. Unless she dies of old age before me. All right. I got a pick on her because she did not bring me any crab cakes back. And I am still upset at her greatly. I told her to. She didn't pay attention. The Bible says, submit to those who have authority over you. And she did not listen. I even prophesied over her to bring one. And she didn't listen to that either. Disobedience. Disobedience so I'm causing her to suffer greatly. <laughs> Revelation nine, I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation... We are, there's tribulation on this earth, if you had noticed that. Yes. Kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, while well, I was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet. And he said, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the ends. And you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spoke to me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one light, like the Son of Man, clothed with his garment down to his feet, girded with a chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white, white like wool, and white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. He's talking about the fact that he was in prayer, and he turned around, and Jesus was standing beside him, behind him. And he starts off by talking about, I saw the Lord. Now, that's not the only instance on the earth of anybody ever seeing the Lord. There have been many instances where Jesus has appeared to people. Now, what that means is that somehow or another, the Holy Ghost needed John to see Jesus and hear him because he's fixing to write. This is not the revelation of the end time. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. We'll get into that one day. But Kenneth E. Hagin, and, and I may not read all of this, um, he had several things he wrote in this book called I Believe in Visions, and if you don't have it, you ought to. But uh, he tells a story about how... Um, he had hurt his shoulder and he had fallen and hurt himself. And on the way to the hospital, the Lord spoke to him and said, don't worry about it. It's not broken, but it's dislocated. And I'll talk to you later about this. Now, while he's in the hospital, he's laying in the bed and he he hears Somebody come in, thought it was a nurse turned around and Jesus himself turned around and walked in the door, pulled up a chair and sat and said, I want to talk to you. Now, there's two reasons he did that. He he said to Brother Hagin, You've been disobeying me for three years. You have taken the office of the prophet and put it second and teacher first because you like to teach. But I didn't. I called you to a prophet's ministry, and you're going to go back and put it first or else. And had I not appeared to you. You'd have been dead at 55. Now, you listen to me. I'm talking to you. And he came in to stop him. But also, we know that Brother Hagin, God used him mightily to turn America in these last days back toward faith in God, the authority of the believer, and the things of the Holy Ghost. Now, we know that, and that had to be done. He was a a man that God used mightily, and he was getting off, and Jesus had to literally walk in the room and have a seat-to-seat conversation with him. Now, it, it, now I'm going to make a statement to you. Every time you ever have an open vision, your life ahead of you is, is going to be rough. Because he only does it when you are about to bomb it out. Are you all out there? Now, I know this because years ago when I first got born again, God took me to heaven one night. I thought it was cool. Until I realized that he did it to warn me strongly about something that was going to happen in my life. And I would not have made it had he not taken me to heaven and talked to me. Are y'all out there? And so it's not to your advantage that he shows up physically. Because when he does, you go, oh, shoot things are going to get rough, aren't they? You better believe it, baby, or I wouldn't have done this. So I said that because, you know, if he does show up, it's because you needed it. Now, sometimes things will happen and you won't see it, but you'll know it. So so um, I, I, I want to tell you a few stories of my own now. Of times that I've actually had visions and seen things. One of them I told the other night was uh, when I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I was going through marriage problems. Now, if you've never been through problems in your home, uh, I was in—I was going to Bible school, and 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 my world was turned completely upside down by my marriage falling apart. In other words, Satan said, "You're done." There's nothing you can do about it. You're dead in the water. Lady came over to my house, and this is how I learned about praying in the Holy Ghost. Because when you're praying and you're dealing with the spirit, that spirit will often be telling you to shut up. That's why you're hearing it. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the living room praying, and, I'm, and I hear a real strong, shut up, shut up, shut up. But yet I'm praying, and I'm not praying like, I'm praying like, I mean, I'm I'm praying strong. And I mean, I prayed like that, and, 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 and the more I prayed in the Spirit, the more intense my prayer became. That's the reason why, and I've said this to Shirley, and you need to hear this. Sometimes on Monday night, you've got to watch who you let come in here. You have someone start hindering you. Just just say this isn't for you yet. Because they don't understand enough about God that they're going to start calling you emotional and all kind of crazy stuff. But there's times you're going to do with your body what's happening in the spirit. You're going to be getting demonstrative. You're going to be making motions and doing stuff. and, And then people look at you and go, I really think they're just crazy. Okay, so I'm in my living room, and I'm doing this. I'm just, man, I'm just shaking my fist and praying in the Holy Ghost. And I looked up, and I saw a principality. I don't know how I knew it was principality. I just knew by the Holy Ghost. And it was about eight feet tall. Its head touched the top of the ceiling. It looked like black chiffon where you grabbed a, a eight-foot foot piece of chiffon and held it up and and the head was pointy, It had two red eyeballs, red eyes, solid black. When I stepped over and saw in the spirit, I could hear it talking to me and I could see a wind blowing in the spirit realm. Now, Now, that wasn't blowing in my living room, but in the spirit, it was blowing. I could see this thing, the wind was moving it and it was looking at me and trying to get me to shut up and the whole and then i knew why god kept prompting me don't stop praying don't stop what you're doing now my carnal mind is fighting with me do you see you you understand what i'm doing i'm trying to show you why he showed it to me because i've i've been wrestling with I had actually been whining about it and not praying about it. And God needed to show me, shut the whining up and get back in the spirit on this thing. And so when, I'm in the, when I got in the spirit and I saw a principality, then I was able to see why it was God had me being so strong in the spirit. And then I'm like, I'm just dealing with this mess. And the more I prayed in the Holy Ghost, the stronger the wind got until this thing went and left. And when it did, I started laughing in the Holy Ghost. And the lady that was praying with me in the bedroom, she started laughing in the Holy Ghost. And I know at that point I had broken that spirit off my home. Now. I think that he also showed it to me because he knew the day would come when I would pastor. And he wanted me to have a little bit more insight into what's happening when we get in the Spirit. And why you don't want to... See, listen listen to me. When you have a move of the Spirit, you'll have fruitcakes come. But you can't shut... The fruit cakes down because you're going to shut the real down. So you got somebody over there hollering and screaming and that's flesh. Then you got somebody over there in the spirit and they're dealing with something. You got to let them go and you can't be sitting over there going, I just don't understand why they have faced such a commotion well, then please just go home and let them pray and go back to your defeated life. Amen. Yes. So when Rodney Howard Brown started having meetings and people started, well, they, did people bark like dogs? Probably. Well, you don't shut down a real Holy Ghost meeting because somebody did something stupid. Yeah, listen. Every Sunday morning, you have three or four or five fruitcakes in this church. Every Sunday morning, you might have one here tonight. You know, it is. I didn't look at anybody, huh? You know, Benny Hinn had fruitcakes in his meetings, and Kenneth Copeland's got fruitcakes in his meeting. You can't go in there and say, I went to that meeting, there fruitcakes there. Sure there was. Jesus had fruitcakes in his meeting. He had a fruitcake on staff. Are you all out there? Did you go home? But that doesn't mean you stop the real. You, you don't want to hinder when God is really moving, somebody is sensing, I, I need to, I, I just sense to do something right now. And, and I don't want to look like an idiot. So, you know, all the people that run on Sunday, about, you know, three quarters of it's flesh. But, there's, but I'm telling you something, sometimes people jump up and it is God prompting them, get out of your chair and take off running. And they need to obey God. Why? I don't know. When you become God, we'll ask you, but until then, leave it alone. Why the children of Israel? Why? I, want to, I want to ask you all a deep spiritual question. This is deep. Why did Jesus, the son of God, stuff mud in a man's eye and send him on the other side of town, knowing he can't see, to wash it out? Now, if that was done today, oh, my God, they would have quit it. This guy calls himself the son of God. He, I saw him stuff mud in a blind man's eye that can't see and send him to the other side of town. He calls himself a prophet. I think he's an idiot but did it work? You better believe it worked. (laughs) If it works, leave it alone. But how many other people did he stuff mud in their eye? There's no record he ever stuffed mud in anybody else's eye. All right. So that, does that mean that we understand everything? No, you don't understand everything. You're not ever going to understand everything. But you know what, sometimes I just do stuff because I think it's God. Sometimes I don't know until after I do it that I go, well, that was God. But I'm not afraid to try anything. And you don't need to be afraid to either. Okay. And there's all kinds of stuff. I'm going to tell you one more story, and I've told you this before. And if I don't tell it to you, like I said, Melanie will tell it to you. Years and years ago in this church... Every Sunday morning, I got mad. And and I'm going to tell y'all that honest to God from my heart, it bothered me that I was getting angry. And I didn't understand it. But I would go home every Sunday and I would get on my face. God, forgive me. I do not know why I'm mad. But I promise you, I promise you, I will not get mad next Sunday. <laughs> and next Sunday, five minutes into the sermon, whoa! and I'm roaring like a lion. And I would go home under condemnation. I mean, the condemnation Satan was heaping on me was that you call yourself a pastor. You're mean as a junkyard dog. You don't deserve to be in the ministry. Who do you think you are? And I would go home and lay on the bed. God, please forgive me. I promised and I promise, I'll never be mad again. Next Sunday, I'm mad as a junkyard dog. <laughs> Lisa and I went down to Rodney Howard Brown's meeting in Lakeland when he had it down there. And um, the the service was beautiful. It was just awesome. And I'm standing there. As a matter of fact, I danced in the Holy Ghost for like 10 minutes. I thought I was going to tear my shoes up. I mean, just standing there dancing in the Holy Ghost. And uh, I'm worshiping God, just worshiping God. And all of a sudden, I got angry. I got so mad, and I'm weeping, I'm going, God, I don't know why I'm so mad, and I opened up my eyes, and I had a vision of my church, and I saw three demon spirits, and they looked exactly like Elmer Fudd, (laughs) Fudd. little four-foot, three-and-a-half-foot, ball-headed demons, And the Lord said to me, he said, those are religious spirits in your church. He said, every Sunday when you get in the spirit, they taunt you and you hear it. And I said, yes, I do. He said, you're picking it up in your spirit and you're trying to deal with that. And, And I learned something, guys. Not all the times that I get angry is it my flesh. I have noticed me. This is me. I walk in a room, and I, there's a demon in here. I will sometimes go, oh, and I know now, deal with it. Stop right there and go, you foul thing from hell, get out of here in the name of Jesus. And a lot of people don't know what I'm doing. I'm just dealing. I don't know where it is. I don't know who brought it in. And I don't care. But I pick up spirits in the room. I, and I'm going to tell you, it makes the hair stand on the back of my neck and it makes me mad. Not at people. But I didn't know this. And I would have never known it. So I said, Lord, what do I do? He said, Those are religious spirits sent to torment you. He said, There is no time or distance in the spirit realm. Take authority over them in the name of Jesus and command them to leave your church. And I did. And the next Sunday, I was so sweet. But I learned something about the spirit realm. I learned something about ministry. And I see, I would have never known that. So I've had two or three instances even since then where I've walked into this church. And I'm gonna tell you there's a lady sitting right there, where there's she's, there really was one time. And I just, and I mean this lady was a division strife devil. She had yielded to the devil. And I walked into a prayer meeting and I just walked up and said, I just bind you, you foul spirit from hell in the name of Jesus. You're not running this meeting in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not, I don't have authority over the person. But I sure got authority over the spirit you brought in. Amen. And so after that, every, every once in a while, maybe every six months, I'd walk in and I'd, roll, and I'd go, I didn't pray before I came in. Because usually when I'm in my office, I'm clearing the room out. You can leave your demons in the parking lot. Are you all out there did you go home? But now, why did he show me that? I had to see it. I had to see it because he's trying to educate me. He wants me to be a good pastor. He doesn't want me in condemnation. He wants me to be able to preach, but he also wants me to get rid of the devils. In other words, if I'd just been obeying him and just taking authority, praying in the Holy Ghost and letting the Holy Ghost, but I was not. I was just preaching the word and happy, and I didn't have any idea what was going on. Now, I like I can stay here all night. We're out of time. Many, many many times in my life, I've actually seen in the spirit realm, seen things. We could go in the Bible. Peter saw an angel come in the, the jail cell one night and got him out. Those are things in the Bible. They're for you. But they're for you when you're in a mess. Most of the time, you're in a mess. And he's going to show you something so you can deal with it, but also so that you don't get in that mess again. Amen. You all see that? Yes. Now, sometimes you'll see spirits on on family members and um, we go on times where Brother Hagen seen spirits hanging on people. You know, and, and when he does, just take authority over it. Don't make a doctrine out of it. Don't go get a card and put, put on there, I'm a... I now have a deliverance ministry because I saw a demon and now I have the gift of discernment and I see demons everywhere. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? Do y'all see this? This is, this is literally the gift discerning of spirits. All it means is that you God opened the door and let you see in the spirit realm. And... Uh, can I tell you one more story real fast? Yeah. I walked in a meeting one night, and um, a preacher looked at me and said, um, how's your church? I said, my church is good. And, uh, and the next preacher said, how's your church? I said, church is doing good. Third preacher looked. Well, you know why preachers ask that? They want to know if you're bigger or smaller than them. Okay. I walked in the, in the meeting, and I saw Jesus sitting in a chair, three chairs over, from, the, from here down. I know why I saw him, I don't know. He said, you know, the questions are relevant. He said, they should be asking how you're doing. Yeah. And then the Holy Ghost came on me to prophesy, and I won't tell you the rest of the story tonight. But he wanted me to see that w- what he had said to me was something he wanted me to deal with. So he let me see that it was him talking to me. And it was just a brief. It was just like I looked over, and there he was sitting and then it was gone. And it was just a, just a minute or second, really. But I've had those things happen in my life for my benefit because he wants me to deal with something that's going to be reoccurring now. And so when I got to be district, I dealt a lot with staying spiritually healthy as a pastor. So that wasn't just a one-time thing. He kind of was going to say, i got something I need to show you. So do you all see this? Okay, y'all ready to pray? Yes. Father God, what an awesome night we've had tonight. And thank you for the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Thank you most of all that the, the Holy Ghost lives inside of us. And if we walk out here tonight with anything we've learned, he's in us to help us in the fight. And whatever gift that you want to operate in me or in Tony or in, or in uh, Shirley or whoever in this room, whatever we need during the day, whatever we need during our life, we're trusting you for the gifts of the Spirit to begin operating, not just in our own victory, but maybe for the lives of others around us to help us minister where we don't know what to do. So we're trusting you for an increase in the gifts of the Holy Ghost operating. But now we understand more about this, that you care about us and you care about people and that we're a supernatural people. And you want to help us with life. And so we needed these gifts. You told us we need gifts. And so we welcome them. You said, covet the gifts. So we do covet them. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Now, while I'm talking, if you've never been using the gifts of the Spirit, just ask the Lord. Say, you know, I, I'd, I'd like, I'd like to be used. I'd like to experience the gifts of the Spirit. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, tongues of interpretation. Just ask Him. Let the Holy Spirit start schooling you. He will school you if you want to know. Okay? Hey, okay. Well, God bless all of you. Please don't go home and pray to see a demon. I'll see all of y'all Sunday morning. God bless all of you. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.